Denver Broncos tight end Noel Fant has been on the receiving end of a lot of fan backlash, but we want to tell Broncos country it's not his fault. We tell you why, and we also take a look at the Broncos offense. Who's to blame for the 20-play drive that resulted in zero points? We break it down, plus we answer some Broncos country mailbag questions on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, joined alongside my co-host, Sarah Benninger. Both of us, we cover the Broncos for the Lockdown Network and Nine News. Make sure you follow and subscribe free and available everywhere. You get your podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. If you want to watch us, turn on notifications so you never miss out on all the action. And thank you so much for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. Today's episode of Lockdown Broncos is brought to you by our good friend over there on location. They're the official hospitality partner of the NFL, and it's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationxp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location today. But Sarah, my friend, it's great to see you. we got a lot to break down, and more importantly, I want to rant today. There's a multitude of things. Going back and watching the Kansas City Chiefs game, obviously the Broncos lost that 22-9. Frustrating the streak continues for Kansas City. There's a thing. There's a lot I want to vent about. I know you do as well, and it, it all starts with the Broncos' tight end position, Noah Fant, and I think the the unfair backlash, the unfair criticism that Noah Fant is getting from Broncos country. We want to put things into perspective a little bit, but before we get into that, my friend, how you doing? Doing great, Cody. Doing great. I'm inadvertently repping the Miami Hurricanes today, and I hear it's a big day for Miami Hurricanes football fans, and I know that's crushing for you, you know, as Oregon guy, you know, but. I mean, it's it's a tough day in Broncos country. We got to peel the focus away from the loss somehow. So we need to rant. We need to start talking about some things. Misdirected anger, misdirected, you know, just rage toward this team right now. And I think that you and I can help get everybody on the right rage train today. Absolutely. One look, that's the thing too. I, I understand like when the team that you refer, if you're a fan, the team that you refer, when they're losing games, it's easy to point your finger. It's easy to blame. It's easy to direct your outrage towards something. But a lot of Broncos fans are targeting their outrage towards Noah fan. And I just want to tell you, you're wrong for that. And, and look here, I respect your opinion, but here's the deal. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. If you look at the way that Noah fan has been utilizing the Broncos offense this year, you know, the biggest difference that's impacted his game this season. It's quarterback. And, and specifically, when you look at the numbers, and thank goodness to our good friends over there, Pro Football Reference, for the amazing statistics on this. Noah Fant, I want to put things into perspective here for Broncos country. We're going to talk about a couple of key metrics here from a tight end standpoint, receiving, and everything else right there. Yards before catch per reception. So this is the amount of yards uh, that he has before he catches it per reception. In 2019, it was 5.8 yards. 2020, 4.8. 2021, 4.7. So that's something right there, too, where really you could see a little bit of that drop off once Pat Shermer came in as the Broncos offensive coordinator. The lack of going downfield to Noah Fant is very evident. But, Sarah, that brings me to my next point of lack of downfield targets. We talk about ADOT, average depth of target. Look at this number, and I want to tell Broncos country, this is probably going to make you a little mad. So if you want to direct your anger at someone, direct it at the Broncos offensive scheme here. The ADOT for Noah Fant, 2019. 7.6 yards. That's pretty dang good. Travis Kelsey's last season, I believe, was 8.1 or 8.2, if I'm not mistaken. So 7.6. Pretty good here for the Broncos. Obviously, no offense. Rookie season there. 2020, 6.7. You want to know what it is in 2021? Four. 
if anything, that should tell you all you need to know. And look, I, I'd say that the difference, right, when we look back at his rookie season, we look back to now, what's the biggest difference there? Coordinator. I mean, there's coordinator there, Pat Shermer, quarterback. That's also another one. He had Drew Locke last year, which, you know, his numbers, he was actually able to make more plays in space. So uh, anything on here that you want to talk about? Because I, I just feel like Noah Fant has just been Broncos country's punching bag and for all the wrong reasons this season. I think so too, Cody. And and he's got he's had some really unfair expectations since coming in. I don't know if people just had a really big problem with the fact that they drafted a tight end in the first round, which isn't a bad idea all the time. I mean, we've seen a lot of tight ends be huge difference makers in the NFL. And if he's the best player on the board, you've got to go for it. But I think a lot of people will sit here and they'll see the title of this video, Cody, in our episode today and the emphasis on Noah Fant and how we're misdirecting blame at him in Broncos country. And they'll say, what about all the penalties? And what about his ability in pass protection? And I'm talking, this is what I'm saying, Cody. <laughs> if you're talking about Noah Fant's penalties and pass protection abilities, you're obviously enhancing our argument because we're not talking about Darren Waller's penalties and, and pass blocking abilities. We're not talking about George Kittle's pass blocking abilities. Not even Travis we're Kelsey. Not talking about Travis Kelsey's pass blocking abilities or, or inability, whatever you want to say. What we're talking about with Noah Fant here is not a, just a misfit in an offense. We're talking about an offensive staff that is completely using him the wrong way. Every target seems to be leading him out of bounds or into contact. Like you mentioned last night when we were talking about this, Cody, a little bit, it seems like every throw is either just, just behind Noah on his on his hip or it's on his body, which doesn't, you know, it doesn't help in terms of wanting to get yards yeah. after the catch. And, and he had one, he never, one that was good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's, we need to see more of that. We do. We just haven't seen enough of that throughout the course of this season. You and I have been talking about that for anybody that thinks that we're just bringing this up as a way to distract from the fact that the Broncos lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's not true. Cody and I have been talking about this all season long. It's been a persistent issue, and it's time that Broncos country really kind of you know open up their eyes. Maybe, maybe you just have to – I don't know. I don't know what the case may be, but – it's not Noah Fant's fault that he hasn't been utilized properly in this offense. And in my opinion, since we are talking more about his penalties and, and pass blocking ability than anything else, I feel like that really just shows that, you know, Cody, we're on the right track here and, and the coaches are to blame for this right now. When he has 49 catches on 67 targets, and ladies and gentlemen, he only has two drops on the season. Okay, one of those I think came against Kansas City. Yeah, he had one clear drop. That was it. Outside of that, what more can you ask Noah Fant? I mean, Noah Fant is doing a lot, right? Where he's being asked to be a blocker primarily, more so than being a receiver. And you can tell that, like I mentioned, going back to his average depth of target, this is the depth on the field when he's targeted. When it goes from 7.6 year rookie season to this year, it's four. What is the what's the common denominator? Quarterback, offensive coordinator. The fact is, I think that if you put Noah Fant in Kansas City's scheme center, I think that he has a lot of success. I think he eats things up. And, and it's just crazy to think that that's not the situation right now because as an offensive coordinator you'd have to think I'm going to get this tight end who's a big first round and he's got speed to him too for how big he is he can break tackles he can do that now here's the deal everyone's gonna say well he has zero he has zero broken tackles you want to know why go back to that two-point conversion that Teddy threw to him in that game last night on Sunday night football and you see why what happened guess what the ball was thrown to him 
short of the end zone where he already had a guy in coverage. So by the time Noah Fant catches the ball, he's already hit in the back. You have to lead a guy like Noah Fant. So quarterback play, offense coordinator play, the scheme has let Noah Fant down this season. Broncos country shouldn't be mad at Noah Fant. They should be mad at Pat Shermer. They should be mad at the scheme in general. They should have some some anger. I wouldn't say necessarily anger, but they should have some blame going towards Teddy Bridgewater because it's his job as the quarterback to get the ball to his playmakers. He hasn't done that. Now, Sarah, there was something interesting that you pointed out too when we were researching this. What is it about Noah Fant when we talk about 2019, 2020, his touchdown total, and other uh, key no, you know, metrics that we've been following here so far this season? Definitely, Cody. You know, you look back through these first three years of his career, and we've talked about this before. He was a, he's been a kind of a record-setting player in terms of Denver Broncos history, you know, among their first couple of seasons as a tight end in the NFL. In his first season in the NFL, three touchdowns. In his second season in the NFL, three touchdowns. And how many touchdowns does he already have in 2021? He's already got three touchdowns this year, Cody. And, and obviously, that's not a huge number. Obviously, we'd love to see that doubled by this point. But he also hasn't scored since week six of this oh, season. Just too an long. Absolute, it, it is too long. It's an absolute atrocity. And we could say that about a number of guys in this Denver Broncos offense. And you and I plan on doing this kind of research for all the skill players to really emphasize that, hey, I mean, we kind of do need to put this blame on Teddy Bridgewater. And, and unfortunately so. I mean, that's just the pressure of playing QB in the NFL. The, the stat that really sticks out to me, and it goes in accordance and along with the average depth of target that you're talking about, Cody, since his rookie season, no offense, yards per catch in general average has dipped almost in half. 14.1 to just over eight and, and or is it 14.8 and, and 8.1 i it, it's insane the the metrics on this are crazy you just don't have a guy who's six foot four 250 pounds who can run a four or five in the 40 yard dash who's averaging eight yards a catch that's that's silly i mean it's ridiculous and it just speaks to the fact of teddy bridgewater what, what people joke about all the time the fact that he throws the ball short of the sticks on just about every play noah fant knows that all too well a two-point conversion you throw short of the line again you throw it to noah fant and he's got a defender right on his hip and, and he didn't convert he wasn't able to convert and i do agree Let's just empathize with the people who do want to bag on Noah Fan a little bit, Cody. I agree. Coming out of Iowa, you know, breaking tackles wasn't necessarily his strong suit. Doing what George Kittle does, you know, when he just throws people off of him, it's never really been Noah Fant's game. Going up and high-pointing and mossing guys in the end zone, it's never really been Noah Fant's game. But that's not to say there's not a place for him in the yeah. NFL with his skill set. You have to get him the ball in space. You have to lead him, and you have to allow him to use – that tremendous straight line speed so that he can make guys miss in the open field with his big, you know, his nobody wants to tackle 6'4, 250 coming at him at four five in the open field. So <laughs> it's just a shame, man. It's a shame to see the way that they've been underutilizing him this season. Very frustrating, too. And that, that poses a lot of different questions at Broncos Country Center. We're going to get some mailbag questions coming up here in just a moment. We're also going to get into, has Vic Fangio bought in a little bit more faith from general manager George Payton? We talk about that interesting dynamic coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about Boost Mobile. And you listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it at the speed of 5G. With all that money that you'll save and all that knowledge that you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save, 
Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers coverage not available everywhere or for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. And our good friends over there at On Location. And guys, is it too early to talk about how you can escape the cold, dead winter of Denver this early on? Well, let me tell you about a way that you can attend Super Bowl 56. Super Bowl 56 is at SoFi Stadium in less than 100 days. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. You can select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food chefed up by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search for Super Bowl on location. I have a Super Bowl feeling about this season and let's get there with on location. All right, Sarah, as we jump into the second half action on today's episode locked on Broncos talking about whether or not Vic Fangio has bought in a little bit more faith from general manager George Payton I think it's an interesting thing to bring up because I came away with that conclusion a little bit on yesterday's postgame report after the Broncos lost to the Chiefs just how the defense has played when we talk about Patrick Mahomes how they've played Justin Herbert I think it's very interesting the Broncos defense they continue to climb and improve this season but more importantly and I know it was ironic we talked about it the Broncos have a formula defensively that can beat Patrick Mahomes and they can also beat Justin Herbert but for some reason they still struggle a little bit against Derek Carr that was one of the little oxymorons that we were talking about there but in your opinion you're George Payton and we go back to what George had said just a little bit ago after the Von Miller trade when I took this job, a lot of it was because of Vic Fangio. Now, seeing how the defense has been playing for the Broncos, obviously the additions George Payton made to make the defense really good, going out and getting Vic Fangio inside linebackers like Baron Brown and Kenny Young, that tells me a little bit that George Payton, I, I still think that he might go with Vic after this season. I do think we're going to see wholesale changes to the staff in terms of special teams and offensive coordinator, maybe a couple of position coaches, but man, a part of me expects Vic to be back. It's really, really interesting, isn't it, Cody? And it's certainly not what everyone in Broncos country wants to hear right now. I think everybody really just yeah. wants those wholesale changes across the board, like you mentioned. But, man, I can't help but think of what we talked about in the postgame episode. If there's a quarterback in place in Denver, how much does that really change? every? I mean, it changes everything. And if Vic Fangio is still your head coach with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, for example, let's just throw that out there. I think Vic Fangio is going to look like a really darn good head coach, Cody. I just do because the quarterback makes that big of a difference. And I do think it would make even a big difference, too, to swap out the offensive coordinator. You know, people forget this, too, Cody. And I'm going to I'm going to say this really close into the microphone right now. Vic Fangio is still under contract next season. I don't know if people realize that, but you would have to get out of his contract. You would still have to pay him next year to be the defensive coordinator for someone else. And wouldn't it be a shame, Cody, if he ended up somehow in the in the AFC West again or on a different team that we play against all the time? I mean, that would be terrible. It would be horrible. We would hate that because Vic Fangio knows how to call a great defense. There's no doubt about it. Like you mentioned, I think this kind of sample has grown large enough at this point that we can definitive Fangio knows he knows how to scheme against Justin Herbert he knows how to scheme against Patrick Mahomes he knows how to scheme against the best of the best he's great against young quarterbacks that that is another thing that I I think people overlook a lot of time I mean Vic Fangio is borderline undefeated against 
rookie quarterbacks in his tenure. So it's really an intriguing thing. And I think Fangio, while he's not maybe the best head coach, I think at the same time, he's one of the best defensive minds in the game. And and he's proving that that is a big difference maker. Even, even now in an age of offensive centric football, that's proven to be a huge difference maker. Well, let's talk about this too. What would George Payton's bottom line be if Vic Fangio's back, right? Because here's the way that I look at it. We talked about the Broncos remaining games. You have Detroit, you have Cincinnati, you have on the road at Vegas. Those are three winnable games where the Broncos all of a sudden, Sarah, if they take care of business, they win these three games. The next three games, they have nine wins. That's more than I think what exceeded my expectations for this football team, at least coming into the season, all things considered. That's a huge step, right? Growth, progress, right? Because here's the deal. You're not going to turn things around from being a five and eleven football team all of a sudden to being you know a fifteen and one or fifteen and two team the next season. It's very unrealistic. Now, yes, Vic Fangio has his issues as a head coach. I think when it comes to game management, absolutely. Now, I'm seeing a lot of people bag on Vic Fangio for his challenge against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. That was a great challenge. Look, I know he hasn't been successful normally, and he's thrown some really bad challenge flags. But here's the deal: that was a great challenge by him, and unfortunately, the NFL dropped the ball. Travis Kelsey. He fumbled the ball after making a football move. Unfortunately, they didn't turn it around. That could have changed the whole entire outlook of the game for the Broncos. Could have given the offense much needed momentum. And, you know, who knows what will happen from there. But going back to my question, Sarah, what would George Payton's bottom line be for you? If you're George Payton, if you're saying, okay, look, we're going to get a quarterback. Let's say that's the thing. Let's say the Broncos get a quarterback. What is your bottom line if you're George Payton when it comes to Vic? I think definitely you have to set some parameters of saying, look, you're not going to make every single decision about what coaches are around you on the staff. You know, for, for if I'm George Payton, I'm making a call and saying, hey, just so you know, we're going to hire a new offensive coordinator and, and we're going to bring in a new quarterback. And then at that point, I think you can give a playoff mandate, right? I, I think this year, a playoff mandate, that's a tough ask of anybody, any coach in the NFL to say, yeah. hey, you make the playoffs or you're gone. But to say that with Teddy Bridgewater, who you bring in with a sixth round pick and, and you restructure his deal so that he's only around for one season, I mean, those are tough circumstances. So I think for me at the bottom line, if I'm George Payton talking to Vic Fangio about this this year going forward, I, I would say, you know, if we get you a quarterback, now we do expect you know, playoff contention. We do expect you to beat the Chiefs at least once this year. We yeah. do expect these big type of things because right now, I mean, the, they're they're showing a lot of not necessarily – I can't say it's like heart and fight, but they're just doing a really good job of scheming against these guys. And they've beaten Justin Herbert twice out of three matchups now. They should have beat him all three times, yeah. were it not for a Jerry Judy drop in, in Los Angeles last season, one of the many. But, man, it's it's been a tough, tough road for Vic Fangio in terms of just him being a head coach. You start off with the Joe Flacco era, then you move forward into the pandemic year, and now you have Teddy Bridgewater who's, you know, he's showing those signs of life like you mentioned. So my bottom line for, for Vic Fangio would definitely have to be different if you get a new quarterback in place. I think that's a very fair assessment. And Broncos country, let us know what you think about whether or not you'd like to see Vic Fangio back just from the standpoint of how he operates the defense and maybe even delegating, having George Payton say, hey, look, we're going to hire this person as the offense coordinator, special teams coordinator. We're going to make this person in charge of some of these decisions. You're the head coach and you can call the defense because you've been very good at it. He's a damn good defensive minded coach and he's got the defense playing really well despite some of the fact you have so many new pieces, young faces stepping up as well. So I do agree with that. Broncos country sound off in the comment section on YouTube. Let us know on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL at Sarah Bettinger at Lockdown Broncos. But coming up here in just a moment, we're going to answer a couple of mailbag questions related to Sunday's loss against the Chiefs and also a little bit of a look ahead 
ahead for this Broncos football team. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about the other sponsor. Today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, are good friends over there at Beachbound. And in life, we're all bound for different things. With Beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or maybe you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up at a poolside bar or maybe creating my own taco flight. And as long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be as happy as can be. With Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you and your family. No matter what you're looking for, what are you bound for? Visit Beachbound.com today. As we jump into the fourth quarter action, today's episode of Lockdown Broncos, just a reminder, Broncos country, thank you so much for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day. When you get up in the morning, you're having breakfast or you're working out, listen to Lockdown Broncos on your favorite podcasting provider. You can watch us on your television, your computer, or your smartphone as well on the YouTube channel, Lockdown Broncos. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications so you never miss out on any day's worth of Denver Broncos news, content, and coverage. We appreciate you, Broncos country, through the wins, the losses, the good, and the bad. Sarah Benninger, myself, will be here all year long breaking down all things Denver Broncos later but Sarah let's jump into the final topic on today's episode locked on Broncos a little bit of mailbag question we got a few really good ones here obviously we tailor a couple segments to some of the mailbag questions but in your opinion what is a question that we received that stood out to you that you want to spend some time answering before? Uh, yeah absolutely Cody I, I love thank you for everyone who, who participated in this we got a really great question about the 20 play drive in the Ooh. first half which I mean that that is you know that that was a fun drive to watch up until the day at Uganda's Joy uh, on Twitter. Jolene, thank you for engaging. Always really, really appreciate you uh, submitting a question. And it's a great one. You know, who's really to blame for the end of that drive? And it's it's funny to talk about because, like, that was one of the most impressive drives of the season. I mean, the Chiefs pinned the Broncos back on the three-yard line. And then the Broncos drive for 11 minutes, 20 plays, multiple fourth down conversions, which we could go back and look at the preseason again, Cody, and talk about all those four everyone said, including us. Hey, Vic Fangio's never going to do that in a regular season game. And then he <laughs> pulls it off against the Kansas City Chiefs in a, reg- a love huge, it. massive regular season game. Uh, just awesome stuff all throughout that drive. The running game working great. Uh, players making plays all over the place. So to me, Cody, the the train really fell off the rails on this big time drive, an impressive drive when Pat Shermer, the number one person I feel to blame for this thing going poorly, he he calls a pass on third and two. And and I think that that's, you know, that's okay if you pick up the third and two in the pass and nobody's thinking about it. You got to execute the play. I get that. But you call a pass on third and two only to call a run on fourth and two when the run on fourth and two was really telegraphed. I think everybody knew that that was coming. Everybody knew it was going to Javante Williams on that play. And the Chiefs obviously were not, they weren't surprised by that call by any means. And so you end a drive like that with zero points. I don't, I don't hate that the fact that they didn't take the points there, Cody, because if it was me and I had just converted two prior fourth down plays on the same drive, I would have gone for the seven points as well, as opposed to taking the three, especially against Kansas City. We know that Vic Fangio, you know, he talks about that. You got to score touchdowns. You can't take field goals. Well, in this game, ironically, field goals probably would have helped out quite a bit. But I agree with the sentiment in general. So I think number one to blame is Pat Shermer. Number two, Teddy Bridgewater. I feel like if if you're the quarterback of the team, you've got the times to, to check out of a play, to get, you know, see the look that the defense is giving you, check out of a play. But number three, I think Vic Fangio does deserve a little bit of blame. Cody, as you pointed out, you know, he, he kind of rushed that decision there on four 
down the last one. Could have taken a timeout. Could have just gathered thoughts, really drawn up a great play and thought about things, but instead they kind of rushed it. And it, uh, unfortunately, it was one of the most impressive drives of any team this season. I think they they shared a stat that that was the first 20 play drive in since 2009 that ended in zero points. So, hey, we're, we're at least making NFL history here, Cody. Oh, man. I know that's the most painful part about a 20-play drive, coming away with nothing, taking nine minutes, almost 10 minutes off the clock, and coming away with zero points. That obviously hurts in retrospect there. I think that's a fantastic question by a listener. Obviously, you got his joy on Twitter. I'm going to go with my, my good friend Drake Ricard. Call me Drizzy. He says, minus the self-inflicted mistakes, do you think that what the Broncos did last night against the Chiefs would be successful against other teams. Play great defense, run the dank ball. I mean, if the Broncos defense is playing the way that it is and the Broncos are running the ball well, yeah, I think they have the good formula, but here's the deal. I, I don't. I think that if you're the Broncos, you can't afford to find yourself trailing, right? Even by 10 points, which that's exactly what was the case. They trailed by 10 points in that first half of that game, and they really couldn't come back from it because the offense couldn't go downfield and score touchdowns. And I think that was really the difference maker. Turnovers on the offensive side of the ball, those self-inflicted wounds that you have, miscommunications on the offensive line, some things still need to be ironed out. Obviously, this was Bobby Massey's first game back since he had his knee injury against the Dallas Cowboys. But outside of that, I, I think that, yeah, the Broncos haven't established I think formula blueprint to be able to utilize to be successful to beat teams like the Detroit Lions to beat the Bengals who that's going to be a tough matchup to go on the road and beat the, the Las Vegas Raiders and then you still have a chance to beat the Los Angeles Chargers because you know how to play them really well it's really going to be predicated off the offensive side of the ball and then that final regular season game against the Kansas City Chiefs who knows they may rest starters for that game it depends on where they're at but right now they have you know sole possession of the AFC West there was one final thing I wanted to address here and it comes in from new type underscore JK 47 will the Broncos be looking at a pass during the draft or free agency. Jonathan Cooper, Weatherly and company have done a good job, but it looks like Chubb will need a dynamic partner. Additionally, it really looks like we need a playmaker who will finish sacks on mobile quarterbacks like Mahomes. I, I don't necessarily have an answer for this question, but I did want to point out, Sarah, there's a lot of Broncos fans mad at Bradley Chubb and because he, doesn't ha- he didn't have a sack against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I want you to go back and watch that game, Broncos country. I just want to watch some of the reps. There was a couple times, look, Bradley Chubb, this is his second game back from an ankle injury. He essentially has not played football all season long, minus, I would say, what, he played two total snaps against the Jaguars. He played half 30 snaps against you know the team last week. Uh, and then this week, he, you know, he, he wrapped it up a little bit more, but this is a guy who is not completely in football shape altogether because it, it's a grind. I do want to mention, Stop watching the stat box in terms of at the end of a game to talk about a player's performance because when I I saw Bradley Chubb on that tackle for a loss where he shucked inside Travis Kelsey quickly, tackled Clyde Edwards-Elair in the backfield, he was a freak of nature last night from a physical and athletic standpoint. Yeah, you know what? He got pancaked on one play. Oh, well, it happens to everybody. Von Miller's gotten pancaked. Aaron Donald's gotten pancaked before by people. But one thing that stood out to me is Bradley Chubb, his motor was going all night, sir. He was trying to get to the quarterback. He was an impact player. It may not show up in the stat sheet, but once again, I think that when you just look at stats and you don't go back and you watch the full context of the game, you got to look at impact, not stat box. And I think that his impact was significant for the Broncos last night. It's hard to do, hard to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes against you know that max protection when you're only sending four. So I thought the Broncos did the best that they could with what they had. Bradley Chubb could play better, absolutely. But the thing is, 
let's not look for reasons to be mad. Let's not look for reasons to be outraged at somebody, ladies and gentlemen. If anything, let's talk about it here in the comment section on YouTube. But Sarah, my friend, hey, it was great seeing you. Great talking Broncos football here once again on your favorite audio podcasting platform. Make sure you subscribe. It's free and available everywhere. Take us on the go with you in audio format. Or if you want to watch us on your TV, your smartphone, or your computer, Lockdown Broncos on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you never miss out on all the action. Sarah Benger, myself, we're going to be back tomorrow with a brand new episode, Lockdown Broncos. We're going to recap a little bit from Vic Fangio's media session on Monday, some storylines, and much more.